listening to the Robbie Fowler podcast, powered by McDonald's. Well, hello all, and welcome once again to another episode of the Robbie Fowler podcast, brought to you as always by McDonald's McCafe, great tasting coffee made simple. It's myself, Chris McCarty, joined by the former Liverpool, Leeds, Man City, England, and a whole host of other clubs. It's Robbie Fowler. Afternoon to you, Rob. How are you, pal? Okay. Yeah, very well indeed, as I always am. Uh, loads for us to talk through. Uh, big name guest. I'm not going to reveal just who that is just yet. I've got to start with you though, Rob. You've been, well, you've been in a bit of hot water over yeah. in India. What's going on? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, obviously, I can't really go that much into it because obviously <laughs> there's a, there's a bit of a, an appeal process. But ah, okay. yeah, I, I have been banned for four games for for giving referees stick. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not ideal when you think of over here. There's, uh, I think there's been five managers who've been suspended in this league, uh, and probably three quarter, at least three quarters of the teams have had some sort of coaching staff member banned as well. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> my four games, have, I'm a, being made into a scapegoat. Oh, maybe know. Rob. I don't you, know. Maybe they're you. just like flexing the muscles and uh, showing everyone who's the boss. Got to be careful in what you say here. Not a fan, I take it then, of the referee standard over in India. Uh, I think they can be better, Christopher. <laughs> Very <And> diplomatically <laughs> put. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, I, I think there's, there has been a few problems, to be fair. I think everyone's, uh, everyone's aware of that. Anyone who watches the ISL will tell you. Uh, I think at least one referee has been sent home. Um, oh. There's been two. I'm not sure whether the other one was injured. I don't know. So... Uh, Lots of managers have come out and uh, and had a go, uh, but I think mine was just persistently having a go. Uh, just, I just felt my players weren't getting looked after, and you know we've had conversation before. I think as a manager, your job is to protect your players, uh, and if they're not getting any protection in the middle, then I think yeah, some words need to be said. Any back in your days, Rob? Any referee that you particularly liked? Playing, I guess four is the wrong word, but you know, when you back in the day, did you take any heed? Did you take any notice of the referees that would be officiating your match at a weekend? Yeah, look, I think a few of them were were very good in all fairness, and I liked the referees who you could talk to and did give you a bit of stick back. I mean, the likes of uh, Keith Cooper and Roger Milford. I know I'm going back really years here, but I think Keith Cooper especially was brilliant, and you'd go up to him and go, "Oh my God, that's a fucking terrible decision, that." <laughs> Oh, you're having an awful game, ref. And he'd go, he'd just turn around, he'd go, ah, I'd worry about your own game, to be honest, Rob. I think you're not having a good game yourself. And I love all that. But I think referees nowadays don't really get can get away with saying things like that because players will maybe go to the press or players will tell people and it gets out. And it, it probably doesn't, it doesn't look good, does it, from a, no. you know, from a point of view, of a, pro- a professionalism point of view. So um, I think that's what's missing in the game. So the referees do need to have some sort of... Um, Relationship with the players and, and it, it, it is it's missing uh, and it's certainly missing over here you talk there about professionalism Rob please tell me you've seen the story up in my neck of the woods <laughs> this past week I'm going to I'm going to name him Bobby Bullock the wonderful named Bobby Bullock football commentator Hamilton academical he's gone viral <laughs> this past he's actually lost his job bless has him he? he has yeah he was sacked the next day after this for those of you new to this story Bobby Bullock missing for the first few minutes of the second half of Hamilton's match against Ross County because he had visited the little boys room a little too long and he, 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 he was a little bit too honest in revealing that he was doing a number two ever had any problems like that Rob? <laughs> uh, 
plenty of problems with number two. Yes, uh, uh, four. No, I, I don't think in terms of games. No, I think he's probably a little bit too honest there, isn't he? Uh, I, don't, oh, I don't even know what to say. I think, you know what? You've actually took my four process away from everything. I've just got uh, Bobby just uh, <laughs> running late to his uh, commentary position. Uh, probably with a bit of tissue hanging down from the back of his trousers. Hey, hey, and the thing is as well, he, he probably had to nick it as well, didn't he? <laughs> oh, that is brilliant. I, I can't help but think though, is there is there no one, and you can name and shame here, any players that maybe suffered a little bit of too much nerves? I know there's one or two that, you know, would would, would spend, you know, 15 minutes before the game in the lavatory because they were nervous or whatever. Anyone that, that st- sticks out to you in your playing days? Uh, not in terms of doing a, a number one or a number two, but I think one of the players who, I mean, was was a great, great player for, for Liverpool was a fellow called Ronnie Whelan, who uh, I think because he was that nervous before every game, he used to go up and, and throw up. So oh, obviously wow. whenever you know the manager was making a team talk, all you could hear in the background was, <laughs> <laughs> and, that was and that was just that noise just reverberating all the way through the dressing room. And that was just Ronnie Whelan being sick and getting rid of his... Uh, as nebs, I mean, that, that's the only nerves. one. I mean, Bruce Grobler was another, obviously, another player who, I mean, he had superstitions and you know these things he used to do before every game. Um, and before he went out for a warm-up, he'd get the ball in the dressing room and he'd, he'd bounce it on the floor and then try and switch off the light. <laughs> what? He'd, he'd try and switch off the light with the ball. And if we're all just sitting there, I don't know, reading the programme. And next minute, the light would go off and you go, oh, Bruce, he's done it again. <laughs> so he would, just to be clear, he would be bouncing the ball, catching it, and he would yeah. try and bounce, turn off the light and catch it again. No, no, he'd bounce the, bounce the ball from the floor and then try and switch the... <laughs> you're, you're thinking he's quicker than light there, aren't you? <laughs> I'm thinking Muhammad Ali no, here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> No, what he'd do, so he'd, he'd get the ball in his hand and he'd, he'd stand maybe about six or seven feet away from the wall and he'd bounce it at the wall but aim for the light switch and then switch the light uh-huh. off. Right, OK, now it makes sense. I'm thinking <laughs> all sorts. You know, I'm thinking he's trying to catch the ball in the dark, which is a heck of a skill. OK, Brucey's done it again. Makes sense. Uh, listen, superstitions for yourself though, Rob. None. You weren't a superstitious fellow. Uh, no, actually wasn't, to be honest. I... I I wore two pair of socks and I wore boots that were like maybe half a size too small for me, but that was not a superstition. And this sounds really ridiculous, this, but it was a comfort thing. I remember years ago, I think my dad made me put two pairs of socks on because my legs were that skinny. <laughs> uh, and probably just wanted me to fill out a little bit. Uh, obviously, just look a little bit more, more bustly, if you like. And uh, I, I just stayed with them and I just f- felt as though it was a bit of a comfort thing. Um, I wanted to wear boots that were too small for me just because I wanted to feel the ball and I felt as though I could strike the ball clearer and, and better with a, you know having more control out of it. So uh, that was the reason. But it certainly wasn't a superstition. Um, I know players, uh, John Barnes, for example, would go into um, into the bathroom and, and run a hot bath and he, he'd be sitting in there having a hot bath just you know, 20, 25 minutes before a, before a big match. Uh, Paul Ince would take his top off uh, yeah. or he'd have his top off and not put it on until the last minute but I always think back to um, to, to my time at Liverpool years ago myself and Steve McManaman and this was before they have the you know the organised warm-ups where everyone just does all the warm-ups together we, we used to just go out on our own 
uh, myself and Maka, you know, some players would be out there, they'd be passing balls to each other, just pinging them 20, 30 yards. Me and Maka used to just go down in the cop and Maka would cross it and I'll be just do, doing diving headers into the cop goal. <laughs> and like doing headers and follies. It was like just playing with your mates, you know, like what you do in a park, but we were doing, <laughs> we were doing it at Anfield in front of like 30,000 people, 35,000 people. And it's, I mean, just when you think back and you go, wow, I mean, it's just surreal. We headers and follies in the cop end we used to do. That was your warm up. I'm, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't pull a hammy. You've got to be quick to pull hamstrings, Chris, haven't you? No, that's, that's, a, that's fair. Listen, our special guest today, and listen, I'll be honest, I'm taking some stick f- from an awful lot of corners for our, our guest list over the course of the past few weeks. It's either bona fide Liverpool legends or it's Liverpudlians in the case of Joey Barton. I- I've got bad news for you. We're not changing that recipe <laughs> this week because we might just have the greatest of them all when it comes to Liverpool po- Football Club. We've got who, Rob? We've got Sir Kenneth Matheson Daglish. Oh, full name, like it. Full name, full, full name. I mean, I, I love the fella. I think he's absolutely superb. Um, I mean, what he's done for certainly the city of Liverpool, what he's done for the club is, I mean, oh, it's just unreal. And, you know, we, we can talk about just that all day. But the fact is that we've got him on here now. We can talk a little bit, a bit about his career, his, his, his high points. Um, I think, in all fairness, we probably know his lowest point, which would, yeah. uh, which would be Hillsborough. Uh, and I probably really wouldn't want to talk about that at all, honestly, Chris, because I, I think uh, we'll, we'll just talk about all the goods and you know all his appearances, uh, maybe a few little stories, a few little uh, anecdotes, if you like. Uh, but he's he's an unbelievable player. He's an unbelievable manager. More importantly, he's an unbelievable gentleman. I, I love him. Well, here, here on that front. Uh, and I, I want to get this story before we get him on. Uh, and he is with us for episode five of this, the Robbie Fowler podcast. It, it's a well-told story. There'll be a lot of people listening or watching this, Rob, that will be aware of this story. It is 100% true. He did pick you up as a young lad. You were waiting at the bus stop. Tell us that. Yeah, well, I was uh, obviously a young lad playing for, for, for Liverpool um, Centre of Excellence and every Tuesday and Thursday I would get the bus and my family we never had a car uh, so I would get the bus uh, you know, two buses up from school uh, it was a 27 and a 12 that went straight to Melwood get the get off the bus uh, and go and train and I remember this particular night it was freezing cold it was the middle of winter you know one of them nights or one of them days that gets dark at about two o'clock it was a real horrible horrible winter's night so I've obviously got my training kit uh, goes to school in my uniform uh, straight from school go straight up to Melwood and uh, I've got um, I've got training in this, this awful night so does me training gets my uniform back on and I'm waiting at the bus stop and uh, this car pulls up this big white Mercedes this Mercedes was bigger than my house you know what I mean I, I remember <laughs> I, I'm from Toxic lived in a in a one up one down and this big white Mercedes pulls up window goes down it's uh, some fella goes uh, come on son he says I'll give you a lift Poor Scottish accent. That That's is. terrible. <laughs> well, I'm, norm- I'm normally all right at that as well. All right, son. <laughs> You're the car. I give you a lift. And then, uh, <laughs> That's Irish, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even. I don't even know what it sounds like. So anyway, it's it's Kenneth Aglish, and he goes, "Come on, son." He says, "I'll I'll take you home now." It, this is Kenneth Aglish, and I'm I'm thinking, "Wow, I don't want him to see where I live." You know, he lives in a big fuck off mansion somewhere and I live in this one up one down so in the end I go well it's freezing so yeah I might as well so it gets in the car and um, 
I, I get home, I'm, I'm probably about a mile away from my house, and I'd say to Kenny, I just anywhere here'll do. And he went, no, I'll take you to. I went, no, it's fine here. So he dropped me off, and I had to run home in the in the in the cold, in the wet again. Uh, and just getting a lift off Kenny was just one of those surreal surreal moments. I think he had to. He had to drop me off where he did because I think if he'd have parked anywhere near mine, I think his probably uh, wheels would have went missing. <laughs> right. Oh. Right. And I, I just went home, right, honestly. And I was home a little bit early because I hadn't got the two buses. And I remember my mum saying, how come you're home so early? And I went, so Kenny Daglish has just dropped me off, just like dead matter of fact. And she went, oh, okay then. Obviously, I mean, it was just a surreal night. So I've been in, a, in obviously, in Kenny's car as, as, a, as, as a young Liverpool player getting picked up at bus stops I mean I, I, he's he's an absolute legend I, I do I, I got so much time for him I, I love the fella it's a great little story that Robin and how old were you at the, at the time I was I was 14 14 and it, it, years it, it of age it was, it was well he'd, he'd done it to I don't know a few others uh, and it just shows you sort of what type of man he is but it just shows you've done it really because it was like instrumental in saying well I love this club and you, when you've got managers who, who have won everything in a game and they're going out of their way to drop some little uh, some little young kid I mean it, it speaks volumes to the man it really does Right then Rob enough of us blabbing on because a hero of yours he's waiting in the wings he's a knight of the realm he's Liverpool's greatest ever player he's quite possibly Celtics as well he's the most capped player in Scotland's history it is the one and only and give him his full title here what's his full name Robert? None other than the Sir Kenneth Mathieson Daglish This is the Robbie Fowler Podcast Powered by McDonald's McDonald's McCafe Great tasting coffee Simple Dubai Eye 103.8 There we go There we go Mr Dougleesh how are you? Good no problems Lovely to have you on this podcast Kenny uh, Rob is just Whoa whoa Chris Chris I can't believe you've called him Kenny It's Sir Kenny Oh Good morning My apologies There he is Sir Kenneth it should be Robert Well I actually I actually address him as Sir King <laughs> You give him the double You give him I the give double him the double <laughs> how, how are you, pal? Too early in the morning to be taking the piss. <laughs> well, you're nearly 70. All 70-year-olds get up early at all now, don't they? No, no, only if they wait the bed. <laughs> <laughs> Touché, Kenny. Touché. <laughs> what time do you there, Robbie? It's uh, two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, well, you wouldn't have slept in. Hey, you, you'll know. Hey, you don't sleep. You don't sleep in as a manager. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sleep at all. Well, you're not wrong, I know. Kerry, how, how's things, pal? All right? Everything okay? Yeah, good, no problem. Have you been uh, golfing? A shot. It's yeah. a shot? Since the last lockdown. Christmas. Nightmare. nightmare. I bet you're oh. doing cartwheels and everything in the house, aren't you? Oh, I... No, there's a game on at the academy the day, one o'clock, so I'll go and watch that. How long have we got you in? Half an hour, 40 minutes? I'm not worried. I think we can get longer, Rob, to be honest. But Kenny, how is... Obviously, you can't get on the golf course. What's uh, what's the handicap currently at? They've changed it to that world golf thing. I'm 7.9. My index is 7.9. No chance. Not a chance, by the way. <laughs> by the way, that I know, but then they look at the degree of difficulty of the course, and every course has got a wee rating now. So you either go up or down. You, have you, you've actually gone up then? I have, I. <laughs> by the way, I moved three times. And I hadn't played. <laughs> I don't know how that worked. I, hey, I, I actually, I've gone down to seven. 
on that uh, England golf thing. Yeah, but it depends what course. Is that Wallasey? Yeah. Wallasey, yeah. Well, that would be. Depends on the, the rating of the course. Every course has got a rating. Listen, King Kenny, if and I will, I'm starting calling you King now for goodness sake. <laughs> Kenny, I've got it. I want to, if I can, Robbie, just before you dropped in, he, he was regaling us some tales of what you kind of meant to, to Rob growing up and, and being the legend as you are still in the city, a legend up in my part of the world as well, in Scotland, of course. Your recollections of Rob, what, what do you first remember, you know, coming across Robbie Fowler? The first instance was being at Melwood. It was the night time because Robbie had been training with the kids. He was only 15 or something himself. And I was coming out of Melwood to come home and he was standing at the, the bus stop. So I stopped and asked him if he wanted a lift. He went, no, he said, you're going the other way. I said, I'm not going anyway, it doesn't matter. So I took him into, into town and was dropping him off and I saw him the next day. I said, how did you go home all right? He went, yeah, yeah. He said, I was gutted. He said, my dad was gutted. He said, why? He said, because he said he never, none of his mates saw him coming out of your car. <laughs> <laughs> but he never saw the meter. The meter was blocking up. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you're probably true as well. <laughs> I, I always think that whenever, obviously I think you and I, I mean, I'm so lucky enough to, well, to class you as a friend now. Um, and I always think when, Look, I loved you as a player, obviously. Uh, as a manager, you were superb. But I think when you'd done that with me as, as a kid, you know, taking me home when you didn't need to, I think that spoke volumes to you as a person. And that's just the type of person you are. You know, honestly, I've got so, so much time for you. That was something to do with the way I was brought up as well. Not particularly with my mum and dad, but when we were at Celtic as young boys, used to, the main bus route was across the road for Celtic Park, and we'd be standing waiting for the bus. And one of the first team players would pull in in their car and they say, Where are you going? Obviously, we're standing at the bus stop. So, looking <laughs> in the town, jump in, I'll give you a lift. And then he'd take you the wrong way, wouldn't he? <laughs> Drop you off somewhere. Like, we well, didn't even, well, we knew where we were, but we knew where we were wanting to go. So, instead of taking us to town, he'd take us the opposite direction. He said, Oh, jeez, I don't know where the city centre is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't going to do that but that's what they did to us if you can help somebody why would you not help them no absolutely uh, I mean you, you mentioned there that the players used to do that at Celtic who was uh, your hero as a wee boy as Robbie was looking up to you who did you look up to when you played Celtic youth Dennis Law it was when I was younger than Celtic yeah Dennis Law when I was a wee boy he was Scottish icon playing in Italy you never had the television coverage you've got now. So if he was playing at Hamden, if your mum and dad would allow you, you'd go and watch a game and watch Dennis. What 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 was what was so good about Dennis Law? Just his charisma. It was just something about him. Like he, he always played with the the cuff, his sleeve, right in his thinking like that with his fingers, yeah. and he could look like a salmon. And he just he just iconic. I don't know really why. But he was iconic. Did you model your game on him? No. No, I just played. Jesus, it's bad enough trying to be yourself without trying to copy somebody <laughs> else, isn't it? <laughs> no, I think, for me, I was always, you're better to be yourself and then you've only one person to blame. <laughs> Good point. 
It's quite remarkable. It's quite remarkable, Kenny. Like when you go through your career, and I appreciate Cristiano Ronaldo in today's world, but you you played over three hundred games for Celtic, legend at the club, arguably the greatest player that Celtic have ever had. You've then gone down south. You've played over five hundred for Liverpool. You're without question, in my belief, the greatest Liverpool player of all time. That's rare to be the greatest at two clubs the longevity at two clubs is quite remarkable does that give you a great source of pride? No it's, everybody's entitled to their opinion you don't need to agree with their opinion but at the end of the day I was fortunate that I played for Celtic and Liverpool because at that time they were the two most successful clubs obviously the Celtic had just won the European Cup when, when Dan McGrain and I joined the same day and we just took on for there and the time that they players gave to us as young boys because we used to train with them and they they were really encouraging and helpful. And although they'd won the European Cup, they never had any arrogance or big-headedness about them. They looked after you. And when we, Danny and I used to meet in Argyle Street, he was coming for one side of the city and I was coming for the other. And that was a convenient place for us to meet to get the bus to Celtic Park. The two of were a bag of nerves and that was only <laughs> training. But when we get in, they settled us down and they were really good to us. And, and that must have helped a lot because I don't think it was a coincidence that there was an awful lot of players, young players at that time, breaking through into the Celtic first team. Mm. And then you get the move to Liverpool. Talk to us about how that move came about, Kenny, your, your memories of that when the, the phone rang or you got a tap on the shoulder to say, hey, Liverpool Football Club, weren't you? No, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't unappreciative or unhappy at Celtic, but I just thought to myself, it's this isn't a rehearsal here you only get one go and I want to go and try and play at the highest level I could and also I had a great yearning to go a tour of the city after you win something because in Glasgow you couldn't do that um, so when it came about I got married to Marina and I thought oh, this might be the best time for us to go anywhere so I'd asked for a transfer and said Lord no I don't want it, but I want to have a go down south. And I'd been at Liverpool when I was 15. And I was lucky because if I had a choice to go anywhere, and I'm not saying it in hindsight, at the time I was, I would have I said it as well to Marina that if we get a chance, Liverpool would be the best place for us. But obviously Kevin was there at the time. Then Kevin said that he wanted to go. So we were pre season training. The club went to Australia. I never went, came back. And we were playing pre-season matches. I'd stayed at home and trained with the reserves, which was no problem. We played a pre-season match at Dunfermline and the first team had come back by then and it was the first team we were playing in. And I was captain. But by joke, and on that night, picked the ball up and threw the ball to Danny McGrain and said, go on, Danny, you take the team out. So the rest of them, as we're going down, they used to come out. It was strange. You come out the dressing room door and you went down steps that were outside onto the, like, got to Lord's Cricket. You know, you uh-huh. come down the steps and get out onto the pitch. And uh, the boys started laughing. Oh, you must be off the board. I said, I've not got a clue. And Bob Paisley and John Smith, the chairman, were at the game that night. I never knew. Came back, went to the father in law's pub afterwards and big joke. He must have had radar on us. He picked up the phone and phoned up and said, do you still want to go? I said, yeah. He said, get yourself up here then, but don't tell anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody. Jumped in the car, drove up, and Bob Paisley and uh, John Smith were there. 
So I think the conversations that we need to had uh, have were done in a two or three minutes. And the only thing that was they were discussing was the transfer fee. I was off and they picked us up in the morning, brought us down. So I got, I was lucky I got where I wanted to go. Brilliant. Kenny, you know, you just said there, so you know, when you were at Celtic, did you, did you say the team went to Australia? Yeah. I mean, I'm, t- I'm thinking in the 70s, getting to Australia. What, did you have to go by boat? <laughs> I never went, I don't know. <laughs> That's probably why you never went. <laughs> just, just about the team, just about made it back for the start of the season. Well, this was the start of the season, the game at Dunfermline. We'd been, Scotland had been in, um, they went a South American tour because it, the World Cup was in Argentina, 78. So they went to be a wee tour. They played uh, Chile. One four two drew one each with Argentina in Buenos Aires and get beat 2 0 with Brazil. And then we came back. So geez, after being there and then having to go to Australia, it's a bit of a trek as well. Mm. Now, I'm sure they, they would have flown, wouldn't they? Stopped at Singapore and then <laughs> on to Australia. I don't know, I never went. It was it was a, it was a, one of them ten pound trips where you just paid ten pound and just gave her on the boat with them. <laughs> He's blindfold me. Couldn't get you insured, I think, Kenny. No, no, they were Celtic were brilliant for us. For oh, me, yeah. especially, they were brilliant. So it wasn't. I didn't want to be disrespectful, although it was going to be hurtful to leave. It was hurtful for myself as well because I was born and brought up in Glasgow, and to move away. And Marina was the same. She's born and brought up there. So it's great for the women that they, they get up and move as well. Yeah. What, what were your first memories? I'm taking you back a number of years now, but the first memories, the first few days at Liverpool Football Club, who who kind of took you under your wing? Who who was the man that, that said, hey, listen, you're going to be all right here? Me? <laughs> I thought I was going to be all right. No, I came down in Bob Paisley's car. John Smith sat beside him and... Emily Hughes popped into the Holiday Inn that used to be the uh, where Liverpool one is now. They popped in to see us in night time. Said, Do you want a drink? I said, well, I don't really drink. So I had a Coca-Cola and had a chat with Emily. I said, I'm shattered, I need to go in my bed. So I went in my bed and it was a Wednesday. I know that because we trained Thursday. So the boys were really welcoming and they were really determined to be successful again because they won the, F- the European Cup obviously, and they won, I think, the league, beat me man you in the cup final, and they were determined to have, have a similar amount of success the next season, so I thought, that does me fine. Your management career, Kenny, is an interesting one, because I, I look at it, and certainly from, from me on the outside, I, I'm still, what am I, 34, despite what Robbie Fowler will tell you, I am 34, Kenneth. So hey, for uh, me... Ke- Ke- Kenny will tell you that as well, don't worry about that. <laughs> Who said the pictures didn't they lie? <laughs> so, so for me growing up, Kenny, I was a bit, well, obviously young for your playing career, young for your first stint as Liverpool manager with those league titles. For, 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 for me growing up, it was all about Blackburn Rovers. You were front and centre bringing this team who I think four years previously from winning the league 19th in the second division, if memory serves me, in English football. Your time at Blackburn, Kenny, when you look back on all of your career, was that time right up there as the most special that you had? No, Blackburn was a Cinderella story for everybody. Yeah. I mean, uh, nothing would have happened at Blackburn if Jack Walker hadn't been involved in the financial support that he gave. And I think Jack will be the last person of his kind 
the local man made good, that very wealthy, wanted to put something back into the, the city that it was brought up. And I don't think that's going to happen again, the success that they had. But it would never happen without Jack. And his money coming in was, was the start of everything. And for me, uh, just getting good staff round about has kept a couple of lads that had already been at Blackburn to give me a bit of an insight into what was going on. And they did brilliantly. I mean, the manager gets sacked after two league games, I think. I don't know, I think there's something like one point and they get beaten a League Cup tie, an early round. So the manager got the sack and the guy called Tony Parks took over and he took them from like one point out of, I don't know if it would be three points then, was it? One yeah. point anyway, out of two games. He took them up to about mid-table, just below mid-table by the time I joined. So Tony done a great job as well. He settled it down and get them moving. But Blackburn was a favourite. So people can rate it whatever way they want. They can say that was better or worse than, than Liverpool. It doesn't matter. You've done what you had to do and that was it. I think I can speak for everyone. I think obviously everyone knows what type of manager you are anyway. So obviously with what you've achieved, what, what was your what was your philosophy as a manager? Uh, even if you had a philosophy, was your was your ideo- ideology just about bringing in the best players, or was you a, a certain manager who wanted to play a certain formation uh, and getting players for them, or whatever the, were the best players available to you? Well, your formations depend on who you have and the way you play and the style you play in. Is depending on that, but irrespective of tactics or personnel, I think the most important thing is to treat people the way that you would like to have been treated yourself as a player. And yet, to have a consideration for the players that you, you had to leave out for games, that was difficult. I think that was a difficult part because it, it's hard to go and say to somebody you're no playing, and you might have an explanation or thought in your mind, but he's got a different thought in his. But at least you're straight with them. And that's that's all I wanted to be. I just wanted to be straight with them. And if if you were wrong, you were wrong. But at least you couldn't say that you, you weren't a genuine enough. It was an exhilarating season that, Kenny. That that year uh, and the way that it finished as well. And <laughs> May 14th, 1995, that's a date that will be uh, certainly burned into my memory. I remember it well sitting there, United at West Ham, Andy Cole and, and his travails down there. And of course, Blackburn at Anfield. I think you went into the final day two points clear. What are your memories of that, Kenny? Can, can you remember your team talk that day to the boys? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was just go out and do what you've been doing all season. Oh, I think that's that speaks for itself, doesn't it? If you say to them, I mean, they got what they are because of what they did. So why would you need to change it? Mm. And they were, they'd done brilliantly. I mean, it was, it was easy to say you went to Blackburn and they won the league, but they, they also won the promotion up to the the Premiership through the playoffs. I think we finished sixth and we, we won the playoff final against Leicester. The first year in the Premiership, fourth, second year, second. And the last year, we won it. So I don't think by the time we won it, I don't think we were a surprise to anybody. No. So all they had to do, all they had to do was do what they did for the previous previous three, four years or whatever. Be yourself. You can't be anybody else. No. You'd be an actor if you wanted to be somebody else, wouldn't you? 
<laughs> but you must have been come on come on Kenny the, the nerves that day I mean Jesus I was a bag of nerves I still remember I would have been what nine at the time and that switching Sky Sports did a great job of it you must have been shitting your pants on that touchline I was nervous I <laughs> but also sometimes Robbie knows sometimes you have a feeling about something when you're going to play and I just had a feeling that we were going to win the league and you'd still be nervous, but you still had the feeling that you were going to win the league. Unfortunately, we did. And if you're not going to win it at Blackburn, they are the best place to win it that would be more appreciated. I would appreciate Blackburn winning it. would be Liverpool. It was never. That was one of the, my most surreal games ever, I think. So when, obviously, I wanted to win because I just wanted to win every game and I wanted, I wanted Blackburn to win the title. Uh, obviously because of Kenny and because obviously he didn't want Man U to win. Uh, and I remember in the game and, and us going and James Redknapp scoring uh, to make it 2-1. I'm thinking, do I celebrate here? <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I just didn't know whether to celebrate. And I think I think there was a few little claps in the cop. But it, I mean, the, the, the applause and the rapturous noise that was heard after the game because obviously Blackburn had, had obviously lost the game but won the title was, I mean, it was just a surreal moment. It really was. And I think I've got a bone to pick with you, Kenny, actually, because, uh, Sir Kenny, because I've watched uh, a few clips of that. And I remember you going up to all the players after the game, all the Blackburn hugging them. And I'm on one little shot, there's a, and I'm there waiting to give you a high five, and you just ran right past me. <laughs> oh, I was, oh, no. I wouldn't be moving too fast. <laughs> I told you, we said that before. I said to Chris, you've got to be quick to get an hamstring. I never got hamstring, so it was all right. Well, no, I was the same. They, uh, they'd been much rather Liverpool had won it, but it's becomes, as Robbie said, anybody bar one of their closest rivals is, is good, and maybe they never thought Blackburn was a close rival. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of, obviously, your, your close rivals, uh, Sir Ken, um, now, obviously, a lot has been made up about your, your rivalry with, uh, obviously, Sir Alex. And uh, I know, I know perfectly good. You're actually very, very good friends, aren't you? Uh-huh. Fergie and I go back a long way. A long way, right back to... In fact, Marina's dad uh, knew him and Marina met him before. He, Marina's dad was in the licence trade. And Fergie, as was the, <clears throat> the norm then, and the footballers in Scotland wanted to buy a pub. So Fergie wanted to learn, teach himself the licence trade that Marina's dad taught him. So... Then I met Fergie through one of the young lads in Glasgow was at Ibrox and I still lived across the road from Ibrox and uh, we used to meet up if we after training the crowd is in, in the city centre in Glasgow and have a bit of macaroni and cheese and double chips. <laughs> so the healthy option went out the window. And I went over to meet him at Ibrox one day afterwards and we were going to jump in the, the subway into town and uh, he said, oh, we've got a lift. I said, you've not got a car. He said, no, no, Alec Ferguson's giving us a lift into town. So Fergie gave us a lift into town. Brilliant. Um, that was the first time really I'd met him. And then uh, he played in the reserve game that I played in. I think it was in 69 or something. Do you uh, you know when you, you speak to each other now, do you compare your knighthoods? Just like, just, just like phone each other up and say, hello, sir, hello, sir. Are you okay, sir? Oh, he, he calls me Kenny and I call him Fergie. He can get away with that. He can get away with calling you that. No, everybody can get away with that. I'm no bother. <laughs> <laughs> it's what they say under their, under their breath that you're worried about. Nobody <laughs> say in front of you. No, he, he's, 
he's good as gold. Yeah, well, I look, I, I've seen he's I've seen really, and I obviously I've got a lot of time for Sir Alex as well. You know, when I was uh, when I was manager of Brisbane, actually, I uh, I reached out to him and he actually sent me a video with, which I played. Uh, and again, that's you, you appreciate people like that for going out of the way and and giving them a little bit of time. Uh, and that's what yeah, he done. That's what like he is. If you ask for help, right, he's more than happy to help anybody along the way in the managerial road that they that they have chosen to take. And if he can help, he'll help. He's, he's a can I ask Kenny we, Jürgen uh, referenced it after Liverpool won the league a few months back where he said he after maybe one too many ales at the end of the party he messaged Fergie he whatsapped him and Fergie got straight back to him at three in the morning did, did Fergie message you did you get a call after winning the league with Blackburn did, did Fergie yeah, reach out to, to, to offer you exchange letters at the end of the season <laughs> somebody wants something he'd always send a letter out saying congratulations and, and that never changed never changed no, always. We never had. What's up? Jesus. No, no, no. You're going back to. Was it horseback? Was it letters by horseback? Was it? Aye. <laughs> Send a telegram if you wanted something. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we always, always exchanged the uh, congratulations when if somebody won something. It's rather fitting, Kenny, that you're you're returned to Liverpool. I mean. What are we now? 2011, January 8th. You can tell I've been doing my research. January 8th, 2011, you returned for your second spell in charge of Liverpool. Your first game that some people might forget was actually against Fergie. It was at Old Trafford in the FA Cup third round. Return, did that totally come out of the blue, that return to, to management? How did that kind of come around? Well, I was on a boat in somewhere near Dubai <laughs> and I got a phone call. Would you come back and would you... Uh, Look after it for a wee while. If you can get me home, it's no problem. <laughs> so, I don't know how I got home, but I got home. And I never got there till Saturday night. So by the time I... The boys had been prepared for the match. You can't come in on a Saturday night and do much, can you? No. But some people said, well, why did you go to the game? Why did you not stay away? Well, if I'm coming in, I'm coming in at the start. I'm not coming in because it's a difficult game, Manchester United. If I'm going to stand beside the boys and ask them to do the same for us, I'm going to be beside them every time. So I went straight to the game. Oh, I went straight to the hotel and ended the game. We get beat 1-0. We got a penalty against us in about 30 seconds. Yeah. And then Stephen gets sent off. So it was a quiet day. <laughs> Did your style change that second time around, Kenny? Obviously, I think, what, caretaker in 2000 at Celtic, you won the League Cup there. 11 years, quite a long time. Players have changed. The, the methodology, as Robbie's already alluded to, football does change a little bit. Outlooks change. Did you change at all in that 11-year period? Yes, yeah, society changes as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Obviously, when you go back in, it's not like it was when you left. You have to change and adapt a wee bit. But then I think you're doing that in your life as well. So... You just treat, treat people for what they are and you've got to understand when you were young and managing, there was a different philosophy to what it is now. The young boys have different ideals, which is fine, as long as they get themselves on the pitch and prepared as best they possibly can. Mm. And the ideals aren't going to be disruptive to anybody. You just go along with it. 
Sir Ken, so you know, in, in terms of what you said there, so obviously society changes, players change, obviously managers change, and that's just obviously you as a person. What about technology? So obviously your first spell as a, a manager, and I know you do your work on the opposition, but I know from a Liverpool point of view, our work was done on what we can do. Now, did your, did your method change later on? Did you do a lot more work from a technology point of view on the opposition and your own side? I don't think anybody's getting into a game without knowing what the opposition's like. Whether you form it in your own mind and you have a wee library upstairs with your opponent, your goalkeeper or, or whatever, or whatever somebody, another team does, I think you've got to have preparation and you've got to know what the other team does. Mm. If you don't know what they do, how do you pick your own team? So, you, but basically the most important thing and the biggest thing you can dictate is what happens to your team. Yeah. But, that's also influenced by what, what how they do. And nowadays, most teams play the same. Most teams have the same philosophies, don't they? Whereas in our days, you had maybe people that were a wee bit more direct than what, what uh, other teams were. And you've just got to handle that and you've got to take that into account, but not to the detriment of your own team. Take, it, take them into account, bearing in mind that you're not upsetting your own team. You've got to be mindful of opposition, Kenny. Who is, uh, whether it's management or playing, who is the best team you've ever come up against where you've went, wow, they are absolutely incredible? Uh, I don't think there was two Tra- Training sessions. <laughs> Very good, Robert. Training sessions at Liverpool Football Club. Well, the five or seven made him a strong point. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I remember every Friday, but I know you're trying to answer the question here, but every Friday when you obviously were manager, I was obviously uh, a you know, young kid coming in. Every Friday... Uh, so Kenny would get the uh, the chocolate biscuits out, <laughs> and on a Friday it was a staff feeder, staff feeder play or staff feeder young kids. Uh, so obviously the first team would go in, and the uh, the staff would stay out and, and and play the games, and the staff never ever lost. No. And if they if they were losing, the games used to carry on a little bit longer. Yeah, but we used to pick the best young ones. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie and Steve. <laughs> I remember when I, I first came. I signed on the, the Wednesday. Saturday we played Man U in the League Cup at uh, the Charity Shield at Wembley. Uh, they gave us a couple of days off to go back up the road to sort things out. I went back up the road, so I missed a couple of days, Tuesday training or something. Came back on Wednesday or Thursday for training and the first team were off. So I'm training with the kid. And then that was my debut at Wembley. The Wembley at Melwood. Remember Wembley at Melwood? Yeah. That was that was where they played the kids. And that was me making my debut. By the way, <laughs> that they talk about how did Liverpool escape a lot of injuries when they had all the success. <laughs> because if you were injured, you had to train with them. And you had to do their running. And that was a good excuse not to be injured, by the way. Even if you were injured, you never told them. And it was Bob Paisley would be in goal. But he never had gloves. He has mittens. So it was only his thumb sticking up and the rest of it. <laughs> Ronnie Moran, old Tom Saunders, who was uh, fantastic, fantastic brains and a really good fellow. was part of it. John Benison, who did the kids, would play as well. Ron Yates, when he came in, I'm not talking about when I was playing, but when I was, became manager, uh, gave Yates a job after the first year, I think, as chief scout. But he would, when we went back then, and I was part of the staff then, he used to play. But I think they put him against us. 
the kid have been too impressed we had this. <laughs> but they, they all they played and they played the kids and they picked the best kids. And I think yourself and Mark would only be in at night time then, wouldn't you? Yeah. But when they come in during the day, they made sure they were nursing. You've never ever lost though. Oh, no, they, they admit it anyway. Don't worry. <laughs> When they admit they lost, and if they lost, if they were losing, it was next goal. Next goal, <laughs> yeah. next goal. Yeah. Eight to get us back in it. Playing till five o'clock on a Friday. Got a game Saturday <laughs> afternoon. Playing till Friday, <laughs> half seven at night. The game's finished. Oh, they were. They, that was that was brilliant then. It wasn't even a pitch, was it? It wasn't oh, no. a thing or anything. And this Wembley. You've just called it Wembley. And what about the, the, uh, the other pitch on the other side, which was the pigsty? The, the, the cow's pit. Yeah. Aye. And then Shanks put an old weather pitch in, didn't they? Yeah, the gravel, yeah. That red gravel pitch. And the boy said, Shanks put that in. When I came, I said, well, why did he put that in? They said, because it's an old weather pitch. And Shanks thought you could play in it in all weathers. <laughs> the only time you could play in it was when it was about that six inches deep. No, but it was too hard. It was rock hard, wasn't so, it? Here, Gerard done the best thing. He built the, the changing facilities and the dressing rooms and everything in there, didn't he? That, that was on the old weather, yeah. But I remember the old weather pitch, actually. If you fell over on that, you were picking gravel out of your knees for weeks, I'm telling you. We used to play on that. We used to play on pitches like that in Glasgow. And by the way, in Glasgow, there was bricks sticking through them and <laughs> so you never fell over too often. King Kenny, can I ask, we were talking about management and I know a lot's been said about Jürgen and, and you spoke and, and you were an emotional man when, when Liverpool finally won the title a few months back. One man who I often think's a little bit forgotten, uh, similar to you, who's, who's treaded both paths, Celtic and Liverpool, Brendan Rodgers. Give me your views on him. Is he someone in your belief that gets enough credit for the job that he did at Liverpool Football Club? I thought he got credit for what he did at Liverpool. I, I can't see how... Oh, I, I, see a, I see a lot of Liverpool fans, a lot of Liverpool fans that will say, oh, Gerrard carried that team, Suarez carried that team, Raheem Sterling carried that team. But that's the same way. Any, any level of football that's been successful or any good, the punters always have the favourites and very seldom is in the manager. It's always one of the players, isn't it? And they're not going to blame one of the... They're not going to blame Steven or blame uh, Suarez for anything. The, the manager is the one that gets the, the brunt of everything. Yeah. But he did certainly move forward before Jürgen came in. They were moving forward. Mm. But I don't... I mean, credit... Go, he, he did a great job at Celtic. They won... He was part of the... The, oh, the, the collection triple, of the 12... The triple treble, was it? The triple treble, yeah. No, it wasn't a trip. Triple, it was quadruple. Well, it was Neil yeah. Lennon. Yeah, Neil yeah, Lennon no, com- yeah, completed but... that, yeah. He made it, Brendan made a contribution to that as well. Yeah. Course, oh, yeah. Uh, and then when he left, when he left Celtic, it wasn't very well received, was it? Which really is a compliment. Yeah, good mm. point, good point. Uh, so, Ken, so can, can we talk about, obviously, Liverpool now? So, I mean, Jamie, can, uh, this guy, this obviously podcast is before uh, obviously the City game. We recorded it before the City game, and obviously Jamie Carragher this week said now the top four is now the aim for Liverpool. So Liverpool will still have obviously aspirations and ambitions of winning the title, and it gets harder every single day. But obviously because the the, the table is so, so tight between the the third and the you know the eighth team, uh, are Liverpool in a fight for the top four at the minute? Well, I think everything you're fighting for, aren't you? 
you're fighting to do as best you possibly can. And the recent run, apart from the two victories in London, there, the recent runs been uh, pretty painful for everybody to take. They've not got the points that they'd be looking for that they would, with due respect to who they were playing, the teams that, that took the points off them weren't the ones that you'd expect them to lose the points to. But they're competing and they'll compete for as best they possibly can, especially Sunday against Man City, they're going to compete. But when you, I mean, injuries are part and parcel of football, and you're not going to you're not going to use that as a as a complaint or as a reason. But there are extenuating circumstances here because to get three injuries in the one position, centre back, it's hard to deal with. You can deal with three. Your three top players might go like Man City have got De Bruyne out, they've got Aguero out, and one of the centre backs out as well. So. They can compete because three different places. But mm. we've had to put two strong midfield players, especially Jordan, the captain, who does a, a great job in the middle of the pitch. And Fabinho had to put them into centre-back. So they're playing 20, 30 yards further back than what they would normally play. So it's, there's no choice. You've no, you've no got centre-backs. A couple of the young lads have come in and done particularly well. They, there's no been uh no been a, a, a real you wouldn't notice what they were. They're only kids like Nat Phillips is was in loan last year in, in the Bundesliga somewhere and he was he had a good season over there. The other one had he went to Kidderminster Harriers on loan. Uh, Reese Williams. Reese yeah. went to Kidderminster Harriers on loan for a year and come back and he's playing premiership. It's a huge step up for 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 him. It's not so bad for that. It's it's harder for Reese mm. because it, the gap's huge. Yeah. But he did he did well when he played, and to try and cover one position with, with it's three injuries is, is a big loss. And it's obviously for Liverpool they've just they've just got to go on with it and do the best they can. But I think they've done particularly well to to get where they are, and for some reason. I think also the the fact that there's no crowd at Anfield helps the opposition. Yeah, I agree with that, Kenny. So a top four then, would you be content with top four? You'd be content with Champions League. You wouldn't be content if you don't win it. Mm. But you, what would you do? There's extenuating circumstances again for that, isn't it? Absolutely. By the way, you've got to look at your own your own club and think to yourself, well, how how do we sort this out for ourselves? Mm. But also at the same time, you can't take away Man City. They've had 20 games there on the spin League and Cup. Uh, they've only lost four goals. And they were the teams that were struggling. That was the team that they said was struggling before yeah. that. Yeah. It's yeah. some struggle, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Your old mucker, Kenny, you won't probably thank Graham. I'm sure you've seen the comments. He was he was saying in midweek that if you played alongside Mo Salah, given the fact that he's a bit, as, as you would say up in Scotland, he, he's a, sometimes a bit of a hogger. He likes to, he's obsessed with scoring goals that you wouldn't have tolerated it and the two of you would have been coming to blows in the dressing room. You like players to, to share the load a little bit. I mean, <laughs> what would you say to that? What would you say to Graham's view? Is that a, a fair one? Well, I like people to be to share the 
well, yeah, that you would have been coming to blows with Mo had you been playing with him just because he loves the limelight to himself. He's he's a bit obsessed with scoring goals when sometimes there are players in better positions that might actually, you know, score the goals for you. That's not the first argument I would have had with Graham. With Charlie, so... Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't think you... For me, I, I, don't, I don't know, I never heard what he said. Certainly had a few arguments with him in the dressing room at half-time, so... I don't think I could have fitted another one in. Mo Salah though, Kenny. Like, I mean, you know, we and Robbie were talking about it in the previous pods, about the the fact that Liverpool, you've mentioned their injury problems, the front three as good as they've been, and and listen, Mo's still scoring goals. What what has it been about the the front three this year that perhaps just hasn't quite clicked as it has in previous years? I don't know. If if anybody would know, it would be Jürgen. And just when... You hit a bad run, and when you think that you you get past it, with the victory at Tottenham, the victory at West Ham, who were going who were going quite well at the time, and we scored like the second and third goals against West Ham were fantastic team goals. So I don't think there's much change other than people might laugh at just a bit of luck you need, and the luck gives you confidence and belief. But as soon as you something starts to go badly, you you look and you think, should I shoot? Should I pass? Yeah. Right. And then you take a wee second, extra second to delay with the thought process, and it's gone. Whatever was there before is gone. And everybody goes through spells like that. I mean, I, I scored a goal at Brighton, and it was my first goal for months. And it was a header for a corner. And I've never done that in my life. <laughs> so everybody's going to go through a time when it's not going so well for you. But when it when there's two or three at the same time, can through the same, then it's difficult. Yeah. And the front three players have been fantastic for Liverpool and the yeah. and the nice the success that they had and enjoyed over the past couple of years. This year might be a disappointment, but then it might be a disappointment in the league and you could end up winning the Champions League. So I wouldn't underestimate that front three, I'm sure, although everything's not gone as well for them as what they would like to, I'm sure they they've got plenty of ammunition to come back. And they've got plenty of credit in the bank as well for what they've done previously for us. Definitely, definitely. Kenny, just back back to obviously the uh, you know the Liverpool management role again. So we've mentioned Blackburn, and that was obviously a great achievement. What would what would you say your finest achievement is from a Liverpool perspective would be? Would it be you being a, a double winner as a player manager, maybe getting reappointed the, the, the manager the second time in obviously January two thousand eleven, or would it be getting the stand named after you? Oh, many, many, many people who get stands named after them, they're normally dead. How does it feel to get a stand named after you while whilst you're still alive? Well, if my name was East or West or North, <laughs> I would have got a lot more stands named after. <laughs> I mean, it's you get embarrassed, really. You get humble. I never, I never call the stand by my name. I call it Kevin Road or the Centenary. Yeah. You can't call it. I mean, you can't call it. After, you can't say to somebody, "I'll see you," and name your stand, can you? So well, you, you can. The, the Sir Kenneth Agley, and that that, that obviously no. brings brings me back to that other question. So obviously, you don't call the stand the Sir Kenneth Agley stand. Now, obviously, the the cop are famous for for one of the the, the most mega songs ever. Obviously, you'll never walk alone. Ah. But you also sing you'll uh, the fields of Anfield Road. Ah. Do you sing along to that? No. <laughs> no. Chris, the, the song goes, uh, 
the fields of Anfield Road where once we watched King Kerry play. He definitely sings it. He definitely <laughs> sings it. Oh, no, no. Even the grandkids don't know a play. <laughs> to learn, I, I, I would be getting, I would be getting the grandkids to sleep singing that song to them. <laughs> I get them to sleep just be talking to them. <laughs> no, but most important moment for me was signing for Liverpool. Everything else came onwards and upwards after that, and it, that's no in any way, shape, or form undermining what happened at, at Celtic. We really, really appreciate everything that Celtic had done for us. Uh, the success that we had and uh, they've still got a, a special place in, in our lives anyway. So moving on to Liverpool and going to an icon- iconic moment there, just them think that you were good enough to go and play for them and represent them was was a turn was a if you don't get that you don't get anything else that follows. And the thing that follows on is there's been a fairy tale as well there. I mean you could never imagine growing up and I mean, never mind being a teenager thinking something like that. Even when you're an adult thinking something like this is going to happen to you, you would never, you'd be taken away, wouldn't you? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so you just appreciate everything you've done, but also you, you realise that if it wasn't for the benefit and the help of others, then you wouldn't have done it either. So it's not just about the individual. You con- the contribution you made to, to Liverpool is a fraction of what they've made to the Douglas family life. What a wonderful answer that is, Kenny. And, and listen, Rob, I, I want to ask you while you're while we've got Kenny with us. Kenny there talks about the day he signed for Liverpool Football Club. I wonder as well because I believe there's only one goal between the both of you. Is that right in the in the all-time scoring list for Liverpool? I, I actually thought it was a few more in all fairness, but when I say a few more, this sounds ridiculous. I thought it was about maybe two or three more. Which I know I'm clutching, Christopher. I really am. But when I think of, you mentioned Kenny as probably the greatest ever, and I don't think this is an argument, to be honest, as probably the greatest ever Liverpool player. Uh, and you've got probably one of the other great Liverpool players, Steven Gerrard. Is, yeah. he's, I think he's, he's ahead of me on the all-time uh, list. So I think it's Steven, uh, myself, and then Kenny. Now, I'm sandwiched in between two greats. Uh, and for me, as a, I, I remember my goal that, I think it took me level, I think, with Kenny. It was against West Brom. It was when I re-signed for Liverpool uh, up at the Hawthorns. Uh, I, I got level with Kenny as uh, one of the, you know, the top goal scorers for Liverpool. And for that, that for me, is just the pinnacle. When, you, when, you're, when your name is next to someone as iconic as, as Sir Kenny, I, I, I mean, I, can, I could have retired there and then. I really could have done. Some people thought you did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually can't even argue with you. That, that's the thing. That's unfair. You had two goals at it. Yeah, that's true. You had two goals at it. That's true. And, but you know, if, if at first you don't succeed, try again. <laughs> yeah, no. I never got two goals. Yeah, well, you, yes, you did. As a manager, you did. Oh, but I couldn't score for the bench. <laughs> you know, no, but you still managed them. To, to be fair, you, you could have you picked yourself. You could have picked yourself. You, you could have went in as a manager. You could have said, "I'm, I'm putting myself down as a player manager again." Now that that would have been a sight, wouldn't it? You can't get a warm stick on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! I, I, I wouldn't know how many goals I've got, and I wouldn't care really. Yeah, did you not? Was that something you didn't look into, Kenny? It was obviously medals and trophies. That's what matters, right? No. That's not like you, Rob. Rob, you counted every single one of your goals, no, didn't you? But. but 
Yeah, that, that's not to say that Robbie's wrong or I'm right. It's just to be, yeah. I, I, we've got the goals. You score the goals, you get your rewards. The goals are more important when you when it means something for the team, as Robbie would allude to as well. You don't get any point scoring three goals and can beat four three, is it? <laughs> True. <laughs> so the success is if you're contributing to the success, whether it's assists or whether it's defending or whether it's scoring, it doesn't matter. You need contribution for everybody before you're going to get what you really want. That's a tour of the city with a trophy in the bus. Hmm. I think I think that says anything about you. I, I, we, we did point out how humble you are, and how incredibly normal you are. But what one another question? It's a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek one. If if I was to speak to you know many many people and who, who's the most famous person they've ever met, I reckon a lot of them, a lot of Liverpool fans would say you. Now, who is the most famous person you've ever met? How do you define fame? It's, it's your answer. You Jack Nicholas, but yeah. No. What What about um, Have you ever met Frank Sinatra? Oh, steady now. <laughs> Is this coming up to my way, no? <laughs> no, no I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go there. But is, is, would, would Jack Nicholas or Jack Nicholas or Jack Nicholson be yours? Jack Nicholas. Golfer. I met him at he owned the golf course at Glen Eagles and I was up playing in the opening day. You meet a load of people, didn't you? You're just lucky you meet a load of people. But certainly for, for me then, the golf and Jack Nicholas been there and even now you meet the, the the obviously they're all younger than you than me anyway now the golfers and whatever and it's great to see a lot of them are just just normal mm. no so Kenny so with all due respect though all these all these young golfers would still be absolutely delighted meeting you yeah they, they would still be on your the, the people the most famous person they've ever met would be you. I think they'd be more impressed off the pitch than on the golf course. <laughs> oh, no, I, 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 I've... Maybe they'll be impressed. Maybe they'll be impressed if they see... No, I, I disagree with you. We, we played, myself, Kenny, and um, it was Stephen Henry, actually. We played, obviously, a a charity game of golf. Uh, I think we played with... Was it Mark Warren? Mark, Mark Warren, I. golfer. And uh, Kenny, Kenny chipped in from 120 <laughs> yards in front of a little crowd as well, so... Hey, so he's uh, he's not a bad golfer as well. He's, he's handy. Oh, that's one shot in thousands of rounds. No chance, <laughs> no chance. Uh, well, it's just pro- probably typical of you then, isn't it? Well, we had the golf event where I went a wee bit tricky. We have the invitation at Hillside Golf Club and I just invited anybody that was, was running about. <laughs> never, got, never got in the frame, right, to win the invitation. And Big Hanson, would, he would be a wee bit more tactical in who he invited. So I said, right, this is it. This year, I'm no, I'm no going friendship. Right, I'm no going for somebody that, that's running about the area. I'm, see, I'm going to ask wee Robbie. So I asked the wee man, I said, you want fancy playing then? But, ah, I'll play. Okay then, come on, up you come. He was off 10. <laughs> yes. 10 yeah. or 12. Five eighteen, actually. <laughs> if you could have got eighteen, you would have taken it. <laughs> so we, we we won, we won with a few shots. Was that the first time you've won the Hillside Invitational? That's the only time. Ah, brilliant! <laughs> Aye, have you got a picture of us on the wall? 
next to your oh. next to, next to that European Cup you won. <laughs> well, because we we leave, didn't we? Yeah. You put the card in and you go home, and if you go back at night, to the <laughs> without oh. the flash on, without the flash on. Uh, there's nothing there so I've got a bit tactical then brilliant well when we have I've, I'm the member at Wallace so when I get home uh, so Ken you come over with, uh, with me and we'll have a game and we'll get you in the, the Wallace Invitational and we'll win that as well we used to play there at Wallace yeah we used to yeah. go over there to play the first one the road's on the right hand side uh-huh I've been doing that road a few times. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, no, this year, well, 2020, not this year, last year, 2020, the golf golf season, I've actually got my name twice on the on the Wallasey board. Oh, well done, Rob. Yeah, thank you. Is that, this man is banned? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got one of them trops in there, them uh, wooden fences to park my horse. As well, <laughs> if, you're, if, you're up the, if you're up the board twice, your handicap will be decimated. Oh, it's come down. It has come down, yeah. Oh, does he tell you what it's come down to? But <laughs> <laughs> bandit fowler. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Oh, this is a wee bit difficult. This short, three feet. <laughs> right, I, th- I think we've uh, we've had more than enough of your time. Yeah, we Ken, have. So, so I listen. I can't thank you enough. I obviously love your company. Always have done. Always will do. Uh, absolute gentleman. Absolute player. Uh, but. What I'll just say now, you are an absolute gentleman. I love chatting with you. Always have done, always will. Not very kind of you, Robbie. Top man. Are the pubs home there? <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're still in lockdown here as well, so. I just thought the way you were talking there, you for the wee drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's tea, it's tea. Have you playing games now? Yeah. I've just been I've just been banned for four games for having a go with the referee. <laughs> any, any advice on that? I don't think a go banned. You never. No, no for no for no for the touchline. So, so any 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 advice on dealing with referees then? Listen, as long as you make them think they're right. <laughs> yeah, well, it, but you can't be bottle your emotion. If you've no got emotion, you've got a bit of trouble. Yeah, love that, love that. I never got in trouble, but I was lucky because I should have a couple of times. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, yeah, over here the uh, the referees uh, are having a tough time, and I think there's. There's probably been five managers out of the eleven teams. Five managers have been suspended. So do you just need to sit in the stand and watch the game? Yeah, for, for the next four games, I do. Yeah, I think sometimes when they start, they they want to increase the level of the league, don't they? In a lot of places, but the the level of refereeing doesn't go up too much, yeah. and that sometimes can be a problem. You yeah. know, you said referees, irrespective of what people say about them, they are only human, yeah. and some of the egos, some of them. A, a better, a better length, a, a better height, a acceptance, and some others will. And yeah. you just see the wrong thing, and it kicks off. And also, it's a. So I'm sure some of them think, well, if I get this one, he's a big name, then you'd be the big name over there. If, if we get him, and we see that, make an example of him, then it sends a message out to the rest of them. Either that, Kenny, or they're all Man United fans over in India. Maybe they were just sitting waiting for you. Yeah, I, listen, I mean, what what you just said is absolutely perfect, and I, and I can live with that. Just, just blowing it. Yeah. How's Granny? He, he's good, mate. He's good. He's uh, he's. Uh, you, no, are you getting any golfing? No, no. We're we're actually so we're in the hotel. Uh, we only leave the hotel to go and trade and to play games. So we're essentially are we are locked away. Oh, have you got a balcony? <laughs> 
Yeah, I have actually, yeah. Between morning and afternoon, you're all right, aren't you? Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, we, no, we, we train in the afternoon. So when we first got here, we trained in the morning, but the days were just getting incredibly long. So we actually changed it to afternoon, which is obviously the days, it makes the days a little bit shorter. For the players as well? Yeah. Right. Makes, makes more, made more sense. That's hard. Is there, is, are all the teams here? Yeah, so all, all the teams are obviously based in Goa. So obviously we're, we're all in a bubble. We all have separate hotels though. But they're all in the one place? All in the one area, yeah. And there's no restaurants open or anything, no? No. Well, no, yeah, no, there is. There is restaurants open, but obviously we're in the uh, the ISL bubble. So anyone who's involved within the uh, the Indian Super League is is stuck within within that bubble. So they can't go out for a meal? No. They can't have relaxation, no? Nope. So, so that's what, what, what I was talking about before. So obviously frustrations when referees make wrong decisions and, and obviously all this play, plays havoc. So when you're frustrated... Then you know, I don't know whether it's passion or it's anger, but if if you mm. feel as though you're hard done by and wronged, then you know you're not going to sit there and take it, and that, that's that's what's what's happening over here. So all the managers are, I think, struggling with with obviously where they are, the situation, and obviously the referees' poor decisions. Are there other English boys over there? Uh, well, th- there was one. Uh, I won't <laughs> go into it why he's been sacked, but uh, Owen Coyle, who's obviously not English, he's Scottish. Or Irish, whatever he wants to be. Yeah, <laughs> whatever he decides. Yeah, so uh, so he's, yeah, we're the only ones actually now. So we're the only. How many teams? Uh, there's eleven teams. And play what Saturday midweek Saturday? Yeah, well, it's it, it there's, there's more or less a game every single day, so it could be Saturday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Oh, so you've got three games a week. Well, yeah, potentially. Sometimes we have, and sometimes we'll have you know one game a week. So it's just a way, just trying to fit all the games in a, in a certain certain amount of time. Uh, that's if you've got something to do, it's not so bad. But... Oh, yeah, know. even get it for a pint of milk's an adventure here now. <laughs> oh well, it'll be open soon. You'll be back on the golf course. Don't worry. Oh yes, yes, no, no danger. I, I can I can imagine you know you're, you're obviously polishing polishing your golf clubs. As... <laughs> you know what? I put them in front of the garage, a couple of wedges, and they've gone rusty. Yeah, I have. I put them in Coca Cola for the big bottle. Of Coca-Cola into a bucket, put them in, took them out and cleaned them a wee bit, but it's still rusty. I'm not being funny, but you're Sir Kenneth Dagley, so if you phone whoever you want up, I'm sure you would get some golf clubs. Yeah, I'm sure you will, Kenny. Well, if you know anybody at TaylorMade, ask them to send us a sim to driver. Sir <laughs> so, so Kenneth, you know, I have contacts at Ping Golf, and Ping are, are well better anyway, so you should be, uh, you should be heading over to Ping. He'll put no. an extra. He'll put an extra ten yards on your drive anyway. That means it's only going out of bounds, then. <laughs> <laughs> How much you get paid for ping for saying that, Rob? No, I don't actually. I don't. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, well, listen. If you, if you want ping, I can put you in touch with people at ping. Hey, we, we can supply you with a, a, a full set of clubs, Ken. Don't worry. By the way, I've just got a set. But they, they sim two. The sim two drivers are supposed to be. Kind of decent. I've got the Sim 2. I've got the three wood. I'll sort you out a Sim 2 driver, Kenny. Don't listen to Robbie with his pings. I'll get on it for you. Uh, but I need a, just, a, just a regular shaft. That's yeah. fine. Regular? Ten and a half, aye. Not, not a stiff shaft, no? <laughs> no, I can't hit them. Do, do, do you have to get to a certain age before you can hit a regular shaft? So? Aye, three. <laughs> <laughs> And what about what about do we hey uh, uh, Chris do we know anyone a tightless golf as well we can supply a big load of golf balls for us 
covered. Yeah, have you got I've, that covered? I've got, got that to... covered. I've got that covered as well. The club have signed a deal with Titleist. Oh, brilliant. Uh, they've got golf boys and golf bags, head covers. They've got them in the shop. There's a wee guy who comes to the matches for yeah. Titleist. Brilliant. Yeah. I'll uh, when we get when we get off here, I'll uh, I'll be I'll be getting a number off you. <laughs> they can't be saying to me in there. No, I'll be I'll be home in a month. So by the time I get home, they'll be just be sat there waiting for me. Tell them I want a little bit of a red ribbon on it, and I'll open them as soon as I get home. Just wait till you're home. You're not a problem with golf boys. <laughs> All right, right, top man. Top man. Ken, thanks very much, pal. You've been an absolute star as always. All the best. Cheers. See you later. Thank you. This is the Robbie Fowler Podcast. Powered by McDonald's. McDonald's McCafe. Great tasting coffee. Simple. Dubai Eye 103.8. Hey, listen, before I let you go, Rob, uh, I've got to ask, uh, you, you were going down the Frank Sinatra route and hey, King Kenny stopped you in your tracks there. Does he normally sing that at the karaoke's, does he? That is a song, yeah, that's a song my way. Um, but I was actually alluding to, uh, I, was, I was hoping I was getting it right, but I remember speaking to some fella a while ago who, who said, I'm going to have to like, Google before, I don't want to sound stupid here, but I'm sure Kenny actually got someone tickets to go and see Frank Sinatra. Well-connected man that he is. Um, I think Frank Sinatra knew him, but I'll just have to, um, yeah, so, yeah, so we, yeah. That makes ah, sense, listen, it sounds like a great story. Let's not put, let's not let the truth get in the way of a good story. There, that's, yeah, yeah, I know. That's yeah. true. But I, I'm just making sure that the end of time frames um, crosses over each other there, and they do. So I think, uh, I think they did. Well, listen, Rob. I know you're a busy boy. Massive thanks to Sir King Kenny Dalglish once more Robbie Fowler Podcast episode 5 is now out obviously because this is it you can download us do check us out subscribe more than anything else you've already downloaded subscribe and rate we've done now Jurgen Klopp Graham Souness Joey Barton and now Sir Kenny Dalglish I need to start adding something to the party here Rob well, you need to start supplying some of your Mancunian friends, don't you, Chris? that's absolutely what I need to do and I will promise you I will do that Oof. in the coming weeks I'll get some. Don't you worry about that, I, my friend. I'll look forward to. That. I mean, I'm not sure whether you can you can pick what I've got you so far. Well, listen, I'm hoping to Sir Alex. No, you can't. You can't. I, yeah. Well, Sir Alex would be up there. Sir, Sir Alex, Alex up, up there. there. Sir Alex. Uh, that no, well, I'm, see... I'm just talking about. We've we've just had Sir Kenny. You know what I mean? Sir Kenneth. Sir Alex would be on a par, and then Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer. That would be on a par with Jurgen. <laughs> no chance. No chance. And then, and then Roy Keane on a par with Graham Souness, and then job done. Yeah. All right then. All right. <laughs> we'll look forward. We'll look forward to that then. Watch this space. Subscribe to the Robbie Fowler podcast. I've got my work cut out now. You can subscribe, of course, on all your usual uh, podcast platforms. Do give us a subscription as well on YouTube, the Robbie Fowler channel. That's the way to do it. You can watch all of our interviews in their entirety up there. Top man, Rob. Good guest once more. I look forward to catching up with you for episode six. See you soon, pal. This has been the Robbie Fowler Podcast. Powered by McDonald's. Hear it again and more of our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.